0: Nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, even if it be a cross that raises me, still all my song shall be is nearer my God to thee. Maybe see it. St. Michael's, thank you for this amazing occasion to be with you. My name is the Reverend Dr. Mark Andrew Jefferson, and I bring greetings from your neighbors down the street at the Virginia Theological Seminary. The next time that you're driving on 395 and you see Seminary Road, feel free to wave at us, (laughs) for we are the seminary of Seminary Road. I'm so very grateful for this invitation. Thank you so very much. I'm so glad to be here. Um, This has been the highlight on my calendar, number one, because it's so close to home. But even more importantly, because the reputation of this parish goes beyond this walls, People love the way that you all love one another and that you bear witness on this corner of God's sacred soil. And so to be with people who love one another and who are committed to God's cause is a great reason to be with you. So thank you. I'm also glad to be with you because you're helping me get some work done. As some of you may have heard, our seminary turns 200 years old next year. And because of this bicentennial effort, I was asked by the dean and president of our seminary if I would preach 200 sermons around the world to commemorate this effort. Of course, I said yes before I added up the time. <laughs> I said yes a little too soon. I did not necessarily know that pandemic would be on the horizon and war and rumor war would persist. And so to be able to engage in this historic effort during such turbulent times has made me a better man, a better Christian, a better person. And I think it's also helped to deepen the ways in which we hope to strengthen preachers for the next 200 years. So thank you for sharing in that work with us and allowing me to tick one more off my belt. (laughs) So for that, I am grateful. And because it is Pentecost, I am particularly glad to be here because this is one of my favorite days of the year hopefully you'll be able to gain some insight about that as we go along. I want to read a couple of verses for our sermonic focus today. And I want to lift up. Let's go. Let's go to the gospel passage here. And it simply says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works than these. Greater works than these. By the time that's ours this morning, I'd like to briefly share with you from this thought, the gift of greater. The gift of greater. You can imagine how these disciples felt, forlorn, but somehow excited. Knowing that Jesus is about to transition away from their physical presence and begin the next level of our Christian journey. Jesus presence with these disciples, these tax collectors and fishermen, these vagabonds from all over started off with a simple follow me. And from follow me, these disciples were sent on a journey that took them from the periphery of Jerusalem, now right into the center of human history. They were not chosen because they spoke well. They were not chosen because they were handsome. They were not chosen because they were tall. They were chosen because the almighty God wanted to utilize even the frailest among us to show us that there is deeper work than just the things we can do for ourselves. In fact, Jesus calling this strange group of disciples shows us that we are all enlisted in God's deeper work. And regardless of if you have any type of schooling or you've been to every school, you have all the degrees or you have no degree. We are not exempt from the fact that the Christian life calls us to more. And no matter how much we've attained, these disciples understood that I was even a great fisherman, even a great tax collector, even a great in whatever I was doing. But that means nothing to this new venture. This new venture of being fishers of men. Yes, there's some correlation, but at the core, God is calling us to something greater. These disciples followed Jesus as he healed the sick as he raised the dead as he provided food for those who could not eat as he sat with those who death gripped their existential environment and how poverty kept them in a place of lack Jesus sat with the prostitute the sinner he sat with the outcast Jesus's gift was his presence He shared this divine presence with those that he met and did the works of God while he was with them. These gifts, these works were not only something that were to be marveled, but there was something for us to then take on in our own lives. These disciples understood that we are following this Jesus and eventually he's going to leave us, which means the responsibility of this gospel message. Is not being carried only by Jesus, but now must be carried on the shoulders of frail, flawed and complicated folks. And if that doesn't seem like an interesting place of preachment, I'd like for you to think about that. That even now, 2000 years removed from these events, there is a gift that we're being offered through our relationship with Christ. It's a gift that we're being offered through our connection with one another. And because it's Pentecost, there's a gift that we're being given even today. And that gift is the gift of greater. These disciples would have imagined that Jesus leaving them would put them at a deficit. But Jesus says to them, and John, I'm going away, but I'm giving you a gift. I'm providing someone who's going to come alongside you, this paraclete, this advocate, the one who will come alongside to support you, to guide you, to give you wisdom, to teach you this gift I'm giving you because I'm expecting results. Your discipleship is not a laissez-faire approach. Your discipleship should yield fruit for the kingdom of God. You're not here to be a milquetoast middle-class Christian. In fact, you're being called off the bench and being required to be more. And being required to do more. In fact, we we are required to make this world more. Because... Jesus went away to the Father and gave us the gift of the Spirit. And this gift of the Spirit is really a gift of greater. Greater what? You might ask, number one, greater responsibility. The responsibility to do the works of Christ and to be the body of Christ right now in this world. In a world that cries for hope. In a world that reels and rocks with injustice, in a world that people turn a blind eye to what's going on, trying to preserve a little piece of their so-called sanity. We are being invited to be more and to do more. The responsibility of feeding God's people and clothing God's people and sharing the gospel with God's people is not just for those with the collar. In fact, because of our baptismal vows, we have said that we will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with God's help. We are to do the works of Christ while we are here on this earth because that is what we're asked to do and even commanded. So this responsibility to be more and to do more is being supplied by a God who's giving us more to do. And giving us the resource to do it. So when the church feels fatigued after shooting after shooting. When the church feels fatigued about debt and about oppression. When the church feels fatigued about the state of the world. It is then our responsibility to consult this spirit. To lead us into a new way forward. Instead of cowering to the times Our responsibility is to tap into the spirit that we've been given for these times so that we can do the work that's necessary. And the book of Acts is very clear about what this work might be. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your older folks will have visions. Dream dreams. God is at work In the imagination and the spirit of humanity. And God is saying I'm raising up a people who will not just tell us about the future. But no, in this text prophecy is about telling the truth. Telling the truth and bearing witness and our responsibility to do so. So that this world knows that our Redeemer lives. And we find ourselves grappling with this oblong, shaped gift called greater. Greater responsibility to be God's hands and feet in the world, to prophesy and to tell the truth about the injustices and the struggles and the ways that sin grip us and tries to control us. We also have greater relationship. Because Jesus Brings us into a deeper knowledge of God through his life. We are now having a designation change, a relationship change. Jesus says to his disciples, look, you're no longer servants, you've become friends. But we're friends not because you figured it all out, but we're friends because you do what I ask you to do. And now we read in Romans that our relationship to Christ, based on this greater gift, changes our relationship. So now we're able to enter into almost the most sacred type of relationship one can have Abba, Father. This intimacy of God at work, the ways in which God calls us to be closer to Him, the way that God calls us. To be closer to the core of God's heart changes our designation because then we begin to live differently in the world. Because if I'm a child of God, there's a way I must comport myself. If I'm a child of God, there's a way I must live in this world. If I'm a child of God and I really embrace the power of Pentecost. Then I'm able to find a different sense of self and walk with this world, not with the disposition of doubt and defeatism, but to be able to look this world in the face and command that God's will will happen because I am here to help do it. And so this relationship of being so close to God, being so intimate with God, that instead of being creation, we become child. That is a change of greater that we can step into only if we're able to come close to the God that calls us to be God's own. That might be a scary invitation for some of us. For God seems way out there. But it's the God of the cosmic creation that wants an intimate relationship with you. So when you're in your car and you're praying, it's that God that wants to get to know you. When you feel that nudge on the inside to do something for somebody and you try to beat it back because it's not the proper time to do so, that might be the Lord speaking to you, inviting you to display your childlike relationship to the one who controls it all. This gift of greater gives us greater responsibility, greater relationship, But the book of Acts shows us that we have greater reach because of this gift. How do fishermen with stumbling tongues from the countryside find the Rosetta Stone of their day and begin to communicate with people from all over the world? How do these local preachers have a cosmopolitan message? It is because the gift of greater requires that Christians increase our reach in this world. St. Michael's you are given this unique opportunity to bear witness in one of the most hopeful and one of the most depressed places in our country. You get a chance to bear witness not too far from all the seats of power that control and seek to control this world. You are a bright spot in a world that is looking for hope. So maybe the power of Pentecost is inviting this church to open up its heart, to open up its arms, and to open up its doors in ways that they've never considered before. Could it be that this pandemic experience Is actually exposing us to the power of Pentecost. Because now we're having to lean on the spirit that we sing about. And trust the spirit that we say is leading us. Here we are. In the midst of a world seemingly gone mad. And people feeling powerless and feeling disempowered. But we have a gospel message that offers that through Pentecost and the power of God, we can turn this world upside down, right side up. And it's this call in this place at this time that's going to change the way that we live. Will you receive the gift of greater today? Will you receive the opportunity to be what God is calling you to be? So that our voices will sound like the hymn writer who said, more of Jesus, I would know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness, see more of the man that died for me. We offer on this Pentecost, Christ to the world. And in the power of Pentecost, I invite you to receive the gift of God's greater. Amen. Amen.